0: Amen. Well, for those of you who are a guest this morning, um, this is your first time maybe, uh, we've been talking about our specific mission that God has given this church uh, that's uniquely ours. And we've been going through and dissecting pieces and parts of it so that we are all on the same page as far as what does God mean when he says uh, to be these people, to do these things. And so um, today I'm going to continue talking about that. But if we could get the mission statement up and uh, we're just going to recite it together as soon as that gets up. If you want to stand up with me, we're just going to just say it together with gusto and oomph and excitement because this is who we are. Amen. Are you guys ready? Three, two, one, go. Wait, there it is. I swear you people do that on purpose. I swear it. Three, two, one, go. We are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who will love deeply. Serve sacrificially, speak truthfully, live holy, and go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit, calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. And today, as I, as I continue to talk about our mission statement, uh, the, one, the thing that I really want to focus on this morning is this word, passion. Remember, it said, we are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. And so I want to focus in on that word, passion, or that word, passionate. Because we are raising up Passionate lovers of God and people in this place. And one way that we can look at our mission statement is is that our mission statement, it is creating a picture of what a person could look like if we are walking in faithfulness to God's mission for our lives and for our church. It's creating a picture. And as we look at who we are, and who we are becoming, a passionate lover of God and people is one of the characteristics that we should be seeing and noticing in our own lives. We should be able to see it in the lives of those who we are connected with. So, what does a passionate lover of God and people look like? Well, we first have to define the word passionate, or more specifically, the word passion. Now, I know we all have an idea of what passion means, but I want to look at it at its biblical and historic meaning. In fact, this past week is known as the Passion Week of Jesus, right? I'm sure many of us watched the Passion of the Christ, maybe, over uh, this week at some point. But the word passion, it actually, it has its roots in a Latin word, passio, which simply means suffering. Its first recorded use um, was in an early Latin translations of the Bible, and it showed up about the second century. And it was a word that was used to exclusively describe the suffering and the death of Jesus. Now, that Latin word was frequently used in old English religious texts. And even in those other texts, the word passion actually remained completely a a theological term. Connected only in this way to the meaning of Jesus. So this, so this word passion, it first showed up in the Latin verses of the Bible and it remained completely a religious word mostly associated with Christ. That's why we call it the passion of the Christ. It was the sufferings of Christ. Now, most of us have a cultural definition of passion, meaning uh, a strong or intense feeling of emotion. That's usually what we associate with the word passion. But that was not the original meaning of the word. In fact, it wasn't until William Shakespeare used the word passion in his play, Titicus Andronicus, that it first showed up with having a sexual attraction meaning associated with it. So for us, though, when we talk about being a passionate lover of God and people, we're talking mostly about the biblical meaning of the word. We're talking about a love that suffers loss for the sake of God and others. And all throughout Scripture... Jesus spoke about this kind of love for God and for people. And so when we aim to be passionate lovers of God and people, we are really, we're aiming at the life that Jesus said you and I should be living. Being a passionate lover of God and people means we love even when it hurts. Can someone say amen? Amen. And, and, you know, we can, yes, we we can love in the culturally defined way of having a strong or intense emotion, but ultimately the Bible calls us to love at a great cost to ourselves. The ultimate expression of passionate love is, is truly in the life of Jesus. Passion Week is the full demonstration of what love truly looks like. You know, nowhere else in all of history can we find such a perfect and complete display of, of the suffering kind of love than in the life of Jesus during this last week. He spent on the earth. And as the story goes, the narrative goes of Jesus, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And from there, we go on to the, to the, the, the scene of having the Last Supper with his disciples. And then from there, we see uh, the next stage of the journey is at the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's here that we begin to see the intense suffering that he must endure as he loves the lost world. And he has the disciples with him while he's in the garden, and he asks them to stay, stay back while he goes on to pray. And I, I want to read this passage in Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. It says that, uh, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, As you will. And then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And he went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, in this passage, Jesus begins to feel the weight of his passionate love for God and humanity. Everything he has said and done has led him to this very moment. And now his soul is feeling the pain of what is about to happen. I mean, imagine for a moment what it must have felt like to to be in your darkest hour of need. The moment in your life when you needed your friends the most and they're all sleeping while you're pouring out your soul to God. While you pray for strength to endure your own death that will result in all of their benefit. imagine what that would have felt like that is passionate love and it doesn't end there further in the story Jesus is taken by the chief priest and he's questioned and while he's being questioned Peter who says he will never forsake him he's asked three times if he knows Jesus And Peter denies knowing him three whole times. From there, Jesus is questioned by several other officials, and he finally ends up at Pontius Pilate's door, where Pontius Pilate gives in to the will of the Jews, and he decides to execute him. Matthew 27, verse 24, it says, When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere... But that instead an uproar was starting, He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. And I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. There's a generational curse. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had flogged Jesus and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. And they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. And they spit on him and they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after that, After they had mocked him they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him and then they led him away to crucify him. We get to see yet again the passionate love of Jesus in full display. Jesus takes a beating that belonged to you and to me. He takes insults that should have been on us, He takes a torturous flogging that should have been our torture and he keeps on loving us through it. I hope this is sinking in, what passionate love looks like. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And When we read that scripture, I ask the question, what was this joy that Jesus was looking at that allowed him that empowered him to endure the torture that he went through as he was passionately loving us. I believe that the full joy, that joy that he was looking at, that he was, had his gaze on, was this joy of fully obeying God. And it was a joy of knowing That the fruit of this action would result in redemption for every person on planet Earth. That is the joy. Passionate love for God and people. Listen, it has a reward. And that reward is the joy of knowing that we obeyed God like no one other. You see, when we live with that goal in mind, knowing that we will experience a God kind of joy like no other, at that point we, we will be a people who then passionately love God and love others. Now, again, don't confuse the meaning of passionate with the cultural sexual overtones. Biblical passionate love means that we love even if we have to suffer for it. And the only way that you and I have even a chance of loving through suffering is to have the goal of joy directly in our sights. That's it. Nobody suffers just because it's fun to suffer. No one. There are a few masochists, sadomasochists out there, but most of us will not suffer without a target. And Jesus told us what it was. It was joy. Joy, that is the target. Joy is the target. Suffering is not the target. Joy is the target. You see, the suffering is just a sign that we love God and people passionately. That's all, it's, a, it's just a sign. But joy is the goal that we are aiming at when we love God and love other people passionately. So let's finish this story of Christ's suffering. Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. If you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sakbaktani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar and he put it on a stick and he offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. The love that Jesus had for God and for all of us was a passionate love. It was a love that he suffered torment and unimaginable pain. If we are going to raise up to be like Jesus, if we're going to be little Jesuses, little Christ is what the word Christian means, if we're going to go after him and look like him, We have to go after God and we have to go after people with that kind of love. A love that is willing to suffer loss for Christ. Luke 21 and verse 12 says, Before all this they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. But make up in your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed, be betrayed even by parents brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. (laughs) That is an amen. You see, when when pressure comes from family, friends, employers, or teachers, authorities, will we be the kind of Christians who love even while we are suffering? Matthew 5 verse 38 says this, it says, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist An evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if someone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with him. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Amen. You see, it takes radical, passionate, aggressive love to be able to do the things that Jesus said we should do. It takes passionate love to be able to love an enemy. It takes passionate love to love those who cause us suffering because we follow Christ. In our perfection, it starts to show up. It starts to come out. It starts to show off. When we love like Jesus loved. To be perfect like our Father in heaven, we must love even while we are suffering. God sent His one and only Son to suffer for our sins. Now, I realize that none of us will ever have to die for the sins of someone else or offer our own child as atonement uh, for someone else. But Jesus still calls us to live like he did and to love like he loved. Now, I feel it's important to define what kind of suffering Are we loving through? You see, Jesus and the apostles clearly told us what kinds of suffering we as Christians would go through. Uh, Many scriptures that I've already shared. but, But we have to understand that all suffering isn't godly suffering. Many times we do or say dumb things that get us into trouble. You know, if I get pulled over for speeding, and I choose to respect and love the cop, is that loving passionately? No. No. My suffering for getting the ticket was my fault. I should still love the guy, but I don't get it. Tom was passionately loving this week. He didn't give the cop an attitude because he loved through the suffering of that ticket. No. I'm sorry. I created that problem. That's on me. How about when a pastor, a teacher, or a parent holds me accountable for not having the right attitude or failing to do what I said I would do? Is that the kind of suffering we're talking about? You're catching on? No. No, see, the real response for when I make a mess of things is a different kind of love. It's called humility and repentance. Both are very desirable qualities in those who follow Jesus. How about when I'm late for work and my boss gives me a lecture about it? Or I get wrote up about it. Is, is that the kind of suffering we're talking about? Everybody can say it together. No. No, that's on you. It's on me. Passionately loving God and people means loving and suffering because of righteousness. Because we are living holy. Because it costs us something to love those who are in great need. That is loving passionately. Let me show you a couple of scriptures about what passionately loving God and people looks like. John 15 verse 18. If The world hates you. Keep in mind that it hated me first. We're in good company. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. And that's why. The world hates you. These are memory verses. (laughs) These are the stuff we put on our our fridge, right? (laughs) 1 John 3.13. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Listen, guys, I'm telling you, it takes passionately loving God. To be able to suffer like these scriptures say we will, and and if you're not tuned in to what's going on in our culture, we we already are suffering a little bit right now. To be a Christian, and I have to have a deep, passionate love for God, if I'm going to withstand the persecution and hatred that the world wants to pour on me. If my love for people's opinions of me is stronger than my love for God's opinion of me, then I'm going to fold like a house of cards. But if I strengthen and grow my passionate love for God, then I will be a mighty fortress that's built on a rock. Psalm 18, verse 2, and I'm going to read this out of the message version, because I love how it says it. It says, I love you, God. You make me strong. God is bedrock underneath my feet, the castle in which I live, my rescuing knight." My God, the high crag where I run for dear life, hiding behind the boulders, safe in the granite hideout. I love you, God. You make me strong. Do you see how those two things are connected? That's what passionately loving God does for us. It makes us strong. It gives us courage. The ability to stand under these things. Matthew 5, verse 43, it says, You have heard that it, was, that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than someone else? Don't even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. When we love people through our suffering, we are on the road to perfection this is why we are raising up radical passionate aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation we want to be imitators of Christ his passion for God and us is unmatched And what Jesus suffered to obey God and to redeem all of history, it is a model for each and every one of us. It is a target for us to aim our life at. So I want to ask you this question. Just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to ask you a couple of questions here. Are you busy with the mission of passionately loving God and people? Just ask the Lord that question. Just ask the Lord, am I centered on loving like Jesus did? could put some music on. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, how can I grow in passionately loving God and Many times we live life in self-preservation mode. We're trying to preserve our time, our resources, our reputation. We're, we're in this, this attitude and mindset that says, I, I got to protect myself and take care of me. And I have to repent for that. Maybe if that's you, just, just repent to the Lord right now. Just, just say to Him, just, I'm sorry, God, that I've, I've lived selfishly. I've lived to preserve my time and myself, my life. Just repent if you haven't been able to, to love passionately the way Jesus loves passionately. God, we just, we thank you, Lord, for the model, for the life of Jesus. We thank you, God, to revealing to our hearts, God, how to love even if we have to suffer for it. bless you God if you felt like the Holy Spirit spoke something just, just slip your hand up you know I'm not going to ask you to come up but if you just feel like the Holy Spirit spoke something or just revealed something to you just slip it up just as a testimony to say yes I God, we thank you for the passionate love of Jesus. We thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for all that you are doing and have done in redeeming humanity and redeeming mankind. God, we bless you today. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for the salvations that happened today. Thank you for the healings and the deliverances that happened here today. We thank you, God, that you do what you do so well. You seek and save us, God, every moment of our days. So, Father, as we go and spend the rest of this Easter day with you, God, and our family or whatever our plans are, God, just keep us mindful of how to be that Radical, passionate, aggressive lover of God and people. Because we need you to remind us. We need you to continue to bring that up in our hearts. And we bless you, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Now, before you go, we've got one announcement that we uh, need to make, and I know you're you're ready to go. But we have uh, an announcement. We're going to start doing. Uh, Something new in the month of May. Um, It's going to be pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. I'm going to let Mike introduce it first, and then I I add a couple of things.
1: I was going to say I was very passionate about this, but I'm excited. (laughs) Thank you for correcting me. (laughs) Um, Quickly, also, if you did get saved to rededicate your life today, there's a baptism we're going to have at the Y, the 10th, at 4 o'clock. So you don't have to wait a super long time. Maybe you've been baptized and you feel like if you've recommitted, you need to do it again. This is the time. April 10th, 4 o'clock, at the Y. You can talk to me, Pastor Tom, you can talk to Chad, Tina. It's important. That's part of what we're to do. Okay, announcement time. Are you ready? Are you on the edge of your seat? Yes, we are going to start having a Sunday night service once a month. Hey, yeah, go ahead and clap. Woo, yes. For right now, it will be once a month. Our mission statement says we are raising up, correct? I said it like 100 times today, yeah. so okay. yes. All right. We are correct. I'm, make, I'm making sure we're engaging here. We're on the right path. Okay, we are raising up. So Sunday night service, it it will be sort of like this, but it's also a training ground. It is impossible to fit everything in on a Sunday morning. Right, Tom? Yes, Mike. (laughs) Agreed? You can't fit everything in. There's people in here that are called to preach and share the gospel. There are some of you who are like, I want to be on the worship team. I need to get my gift. I need to do it. Well, guess what? This is all going to encompass that. Sunday night training ground, all right? So if you have a word to share, we're not going to pass around a sign-up sheet, all right? Come contact me, Pastor Tom. We're going to talk about it. Here's This is part of the equipping process. When we share a word, you watch Tom up here. He's got his keyboard, all this stuff. I love to fly by the seat of my pants. Tom's getting there. But there needs <laughs> to be structure, okay? There is, listen, if we had no structure, there would be no freedom. Amen. Agreed? Amen. All right. And also you need to know God had a plan. He had a structured plan. Jesus had a structured plan. So part of even sharing in the word would be come to us communicate. i got this word to share. We're going to say what I get told and what everybody else gets told on a Sunday when they want to share the word. Let's put it down. Let's write it down. Habakkuk said to write down the vision that I see. Write it down. Let's put some structure to it. We're going to go over it. We're going to give you some ideas. You're going to throw yours to us, us to you, and then you'll get up here and share. Because you need to get up here. You need to be equipped. It's a whole lot different preaching in the car or preaching in the shower or to your wife than it is when you get up here and you got all these people looking at you. All right? So there is training. There is structure to be had even in that. We'll meet with you. When you're prepared and ready, you'll get up here. You'll do it. Then afterwards, we'll set up a time. You'll come meet with us again, which is what we do on Wednesdays. I share. They throw back their feedback. When they share, I give them my feedback. It's a constant equipping and accountability and helping each other and sharing the Word. All right? So... Maybe today or through the week, call me, text me, send me an email. You want to share in the Word, do it. If you want to be part of the worship team, he's going to talk about that. But I want to also reiterate or iterate or share, this is an extra step, all right? It won't be Sunday night. It's not going to be the end-all, be-all, okay? This is to help get you going because when you lead worship, and some of the youth have helped, that's a whole lot of stuff going on up here. When you're trying to hear the Holy Spirit, when you're trying to lead, you're trying to play guitar or bass or sing or whatever it is. There is a level of excellence that our ministry, that this church, that this body requires. There's nothing wrong with that level of excellence. This is not a hoop. This is a step to get to the next place. All right. So you can be equipped. You guys excited? All right. You're also, this is what I like. As if you didn't get to give your tithe on Sunday morning because you forgot. (laughs) We will take up an offering on Sunday night. It will not be for the speaker. It won't be for the team. It'll be for New Covenant. So you forget, you can come, throw it in there. You'll be ready. I believe we'll also have some ministry going on. So training ground. It was also spoken by Denny Kramer. There will be more services, correct? This is part of that. All right, are you guys ready? Yeah. Sunday night services, they will start at 6.30. Be the first one in May. Six,
0: they start at six. six oh, they start eight.
1: at, my bad, you're right. Thank you, Tom. They start at six, starting in May. May 1st, the May first, first Sunday in May. May 1st, thank you. First Sunday in May. I didn't have my notes out. I did take notes. Did I forget anything? Childcare. There will no be child care, thank you. At this point, there will be no child care. So, if you bring your kid... Take care of your kid, and you equip them on how it looks to be in service and how to, how to handle yourself. Or you've got to get a sitter, get a sitter. But no child care at this point. All right? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. So, so, you know, and all of this is tentative
0: in, in terms of what we're, how we're going to do it, you know, who knows what God does. But, again, I want to reiterate what Mike's saying. That Sunday night is about training and equipping people. So we are going to put together uh, three different worship teams. One is going to be an adult team, for those of you who are not a part but you desire to be. That's for you out of high school and, and up. Um, we're also I'm going to start putting together also a Flip 180 worship team, and I'm going to put together a youth worship team. And we're going to be um, working and start training these guys. You know, it's been in my heart for years to do this. Um, you know, whatever But we're now, it's, it's, we're going to start Launching into that So so what I do have is a sign up sheet For that So, I know we're getting ready to leave, walk out the door I'm going to set it up here So if you're an adult And you want to be like, I want to try I want to go for it, I feel something on me For worship, sign up there If you're a youth And you're like, man, I'd love to You write your name on the youth page And if you're a Flip 180-er parent or whatever, you sign up on that page. So um, I can tell you right now, we will. the rehearsals will be during our school weeks, through the week, but we are going to have an information meeting this Saturday. So if you want to be a part of this worship thing, you have to come Saturday at 12, I think I said 12, 12 o'clock here at the church to talk about the information and what this looks like, what's going to happen for you how this is going to go down. So, Saturday at noon, we're going to have an information meeting. But today, if you're interested, you need to sign up and put all your information in here. And we will talk about the details of this thing on Saturday. Amen? Amen. So, first, May, first Sunday in May will be our first night. And we're going to start rehearsing immediately through the month of April for those of you who want to be a part of the worship training team. Amen. God bless you. If you have any questions, feel free to come up after service. Have a great day. Come up and sign up here in the front.